It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Inside Brockle podcast. I'm Elliot Jackson and I'm joined as always by Ryan Hildred. Ryan, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Elliot, all good my end, thank you. How are you doing? Yes, I'm good, thank you. Um, obviously not the weekend we were hoping for with Blackburn Rovers. Techni- is it the weekend we're hoping for? Technically Friday night, but didn't set us up for the weekend we were hoping for, of course. A little bit of a reality check in the potteries for Rovers as they were beaten 3-2 by Stoke City. And if we're being honest, they, they were quite well beaten. The the one goal margin of uh, victory for Stoke was probably a little bit generous, I think, on, on Blackburn Rovers. Slow start. Did have a few openings in the first 10 minutes. JRC had a really good chance that he, he sort of dragged wide, which the more you look back at was actually a better chance than I probably realised live in the ground. I thought there was a good chance for Gallagher as well, where he got in behind the defence and you just say, go and hit it with your left foot. But as is often the case nowadays, people just trying to get it on their favoured foot and I think he passed it over to Smodix and the chance got um, got snuffed out. And then I just felt that Stoke grew and grew into the game. And, and what was a, a bit of a nervy, edgy start from Rovers, they just seemed to get worse as the half wore on. Obviously, Will Smallbone hit the crossbar, which gave them uh, a little bit of a uh, impetus. And then, obviously, the, the first goal is a, is a bit of a disaster. Tyrese Dolan switches off, leaves Hover, who, who finishes at the back post. And I thought in that first half, there was a constant theme where Pickering in particular... They were playing so narrow and, and he kept getting dragged inside. And I think with the cross that comes over it, you know, the way it clears everyone out, I think normally you would expect your fullback to be in that sort of position. That's not to say it was his fault because clearly he's got his man centrally and it's for Dolan to have tracked or to communicate and pass him on, which he clearly didn't do. It's a good finish at the back post. And as I say, from that point, rather than trigger a response from Rovers after it wasn't a horrific start, but Stoke with a better team for the first 20 minutes. They got worse and worse. They were edgy playing out from the back. Stoke pressed them really well. And they were just giving the ball away in really poor areas, inviting pressure, as I said. Obviously, Pears had a little bit of um, a suspect moment with that cross that came in the early stages, which is not something we've seen by him. It was a little bit of a nervy performance from him by the by the very high standards that he has set since he came in goal. And really, that, that first half really, really did cost them yeah, it did. And I think there'd be a tendency to overreact as, as a fan base with this. Um, you know, we've been blessed the the last, what, 11 games with with the run that we've been on and getting excited about the playoffs and all of that again. And as you say, reality check is is probably the, the right word to use. It's just, OK, you know, if we're going to put performances in like that, then we won't make the top six. Um, 
I thought the first five minutes we looked really dangerous. It looked like we could threaten them, but whether Alex Neal did some kind of tactical tweak or, or something like that, I don't know. But I just think tactically we were completely outdone in that first half. Um, and I don't know if it would all revolved around Ben Pearson, because if you look at the advertised formation for Stoke, Ben Pearson sat as a holding midfielder, but that's not where he played. He kind of played as a right side, uh, right-sided defender in a back three, which then allowed Hoover to get down that right-hand side. And if you look at both goals, and I think there was a couple of other chances as well, I literally think Tyrese Dolan doesn't know tactically what he needs to do. Does he need to track Hoover or does he need to do something else? And the Harry Pickering thing, we've spoken about how great we've been, um, particularly in possession of the ball, where we create that kind of back three and then allow a fullback to go and play in that central midfield area. Harry Pickering was obviously doing the tucking over, probably as he's been told to do. So when you combine Pickering going over with Dolan not knowing what he should be doing, going backwards or forwards. Hoover just had the run, didn't he? And the small bone chance that you speak about, that came down that right-hand you, side. You could so. say he hoovered up the space. He d- oh, I love that, Elliot. That You get top marks for Thank that you. one. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> but uh, I just think tactically outdone, and I don't think JDT or Rovers, certainly in-game, knew how to respond to that in the first half. And as you say, absolutely, deservedly behind with, with how we played tactically in that half. Yeah, Stoke grew in confidence. Obviously, they won 5-1 the weekend before and then they took advantage of that. Rovers looked like a team that had, certainly didn't look like a team that was 11 games unbeaten and, and won five in a row in all competitions. And you're just hoping that can you hang on to half-time? Can you just keep it at 1-0? Then the sucker punch comes in. It's a good save by pairs in, in the build-up. They don't clear the lines. It gets crossed again and again. Dolan gets the wrong side of Hoover. I think that one in particular... That's more a case of, uh, I'm not necessarily angry that he didn't track him. I'm more, well, you need to pass him on, communicate. Then it, clearly the lines of communication to your to your left back or to one of the centre-halves. Because if you see where he heads it, it's not unfair to not expect your winger to go all the way in. But you've then got to pass him on. Whereas I think the first one was a case of just switching off and you should have followed him all the way in. So that was disappointing. But undoubtedly... They deserve to be 2-0 behind. You're like, damn, they've just conceded just before our time. Can they hang on? But they should have had an absolute stonewall penalty, Ryan, at a crucial moment in the game. And that doesn't cover up how poor they were in that first off. But there is no way in my mind how that is not a penalty. Smodic's shot, it was saved by Dwight Gale, is probably the best way of putting it, probably the best save of the, of the night. I do think that their penalty appeal on uh, from the challenge on Dom Hine was probably a penalty before that as well. But nowhere near as much of a stonewall penalty as the Dwight Gale one. I don't really know what Dwight Gale's thinking because he's an experienced player. Surely he can't expect to get away with that. I know he did, but shocking refereeing. It's a stonewall penalty. It's a crucial moment in the game. And I think credit to Thomason a little bit because I think a lot of managers would have hidden behind that at a crucial point in the game. And that would have been unfair because they were poor. They did deserve to lose the game. But how that wasn't given at, at 2-0 at stroke of half-time, you know, if Rovers score, it's 2-1. It completely changes the, the momentum, the, the morale going into half-time, the team talks. And it's just a massive moment in the game that didn't go Rovers, Rovers' way. Yeah, you're right. And um, we've spoken about EFL refs plenty of times before as, as fans of Rovers and I'm sure other championship clubs as well. You need the big decisions to go for you, particularly when you're not playing well. So just to clear up the Dom Hyam one, it was a stonewall penalty, yes, but actually Rovers got punished in, in the phase of play. So we were deservedly two down. 
let's just park that one. So when we're not playing well, when we've gone 2-0 down, you need those little lifelines, just something that you can hang on to at halftime. And as fans and as teams, the least that we can expect is to get those big decisions right. And it's not even debatable. It's not even no, one not, of those. It's not a 50-50 call, is it? It's, it's, it's just a stonewall penalty. He just catches it. That's it. And actually, I thought the ref in particular in that first half did shy away from a few decisions, actually. There were a couple of niggly things going on, a couple of decisions that he could have made. I think Stoke were actually getting annoyed about a few things as well in that first half, just through a lack of decision-making from the ref. And, you know, yes, we have to score the penalty, of course, that that we get given. But going in 2-1 at half time, as you say, completely different complexion on that game. Yes, Rovers, you know, we don't do well at coming back in games, granted. But 2-1 at half time gives JDT something, a little bit of a different emphasis on his team talk. 2-0 away at Stoke, just to throw in the old cliches, regardless of how well or not they played this season at home. 2-0 away at half time looks tough. 2-1, totally different. So, yeah, we, we, we should have had that decision and we've got to expect the easier decisions to be given by refs in, in this division. And, yeah, it cost us ultimately. It certainly was a deciding factor, wasn't it? Came out for the second half, no changes, which was a little bit surprised at. Thomason was asked about that post-match and said that he felt he could have changed more than one player, so therefore changed none, which I'm not sure I quite understand. But um, he wanted to wait till the hour mark before making some changes. Second half, I still didn't think they were great. Thomason seemed to think that they, they were much improved in the second half. I thought they were better probably for the last 20 minutes. But I think even the first half of the second half, I didn't think they were brilliant either. And Stoke had really good opportunities to get the third. Smallbow missed a really good chance from close range. And then, of course, they do get the third, which is an absolute shambles of a goal to give away. Let's let's be completely frank about it. Because I think it summed up, for, for me, throughout the nine minutes, there was a real lack of desire to get close to people and be aggressive and get in people's faces. Maybe desire is a little bit harsh. A lack of um, ability as much as anything to do with it. Whether... And I did put this to Thompson after the game, whether, let's not rewrite history, we would have all named that starting eleven before the game. Don't get me wrong, of course we would. It's not me going back with hindsight. But it did look like, to me, a one game too far for a few of those players. And that's that can just happen sometimes. But I think JRC was probably the poorest game he's had ever, all season, apart from, well, apart from the Stoke game, ironically, in the reverse fixture. But since he's come back into the team, I thought he was really poor by his standards. Pears was a little bit nervous, although you wouldn't particularly put fatigue down to him. Uh, Dolan obviously switched off for both goals and didn't really offer anything offensively. So I felt like it was probably a game too far. And I think we could see they were just half a yard away from them. Buckley and Travis lost the midfield battle. I have to say, I thought Josh Laurent was absolutely phenomenal for them. Along with Smallbone, they were really good. And, And it got me thinking, I've said a few times that I felt Rovers missed a trick not bringing in a central midfielder in the summer. I think that, obviously, we know why. They wanted to leave the pathways open for Adam Wharton and for Jake Garrett. But when I look at someone like Josh Laurent, who was available on a free transfer from Reading in the summer, it probably is on higher wages at Stoke than Blackburn Rovers would have offered, granted. But he would have been a brilliant pickup. And I just wonder, do Rovers really have sort of that more box-to-box option in their squad? Someone who's probably a little bit taller, got a little bit more physicality about them, but equally has got the ability to get in the box and score goals. When I look at the current midfield options, you've got Travis, who's obviously been playing brilliantly, but he is more of a, a holding midfielder, although I know he's been playing sort of more bots to bot recently, but I would naturally say he's better as a sitting midfielder. And then you've kind of got Tyler Morton, John Buckley and Adam Wharton, who are all very similar midfielders, who are more deep-lying playmakers. 
Uh, now, of course, Tyler Morton will go back in the summer. But I do think Rovers maybe missed that more physical, um, maybe a little bit more skillful as well, a bit more athletic. And I just thought Josh Laura ran the game, dominated the midfield battle. And it's an area of the squad or a skill set in the current Rovers midfield crop that I'm not sure they have and something I, I would definitely be looking to try and add in the summer. I think it's a really fair comment and particularly Morton, Buckley and, and Adam Wharton, as you said there, you know, they're all out of the same crop, aren't they? You know, that technical type of player and, you know, those types of players do win your games of football. We've won lots of games of football with those three in particular playing well. Lewis Travis, as much as we love his S. Housery, if we, we call it that, and all the things that we love about Lewis Travis, he's not the tallest, he's not the most physical, he's not the most strong. So players like Travis can easily get bullied as well. And I remember just last season, you know, um, I always remember the game when Bournemouth came to Rovers at the end of the season and they won 3-0. Philip Billing just looked like a giant, like compared to our whole midfield. So the same thing about Billing that you can apply to Laurent there and uh, Watford, you know, they've got players who are physical in that centre mid as well. West Brom, you know, you can just, I think it's a really fair point you raise, Elliot. And it's not something I'd considered before, actually, because I'd always had faith in, you know, the technicality of our midfield. But when the chips are down, when you're going into this business end of the season, just someone who loves the scrap, don't care, just wants to get stuck in. I think it's a really valid point that you raise. And, and hopefully Greg Broughton might look at something like that in the summer. Yeah, I think Travis has obviously got the got the aggression and he's got the natural defensive awareness to play that role. But even just someone that's a bit more physical in, in stature and plays box-to-box, not particularly as a holding midfielder, but even playing box-to-box on more advanced because Laurent didn't play holding midfield. He was getting up, he was getting in midfield mm. and he set up two goals. And as I say, it was really poor defending though to skip past four players. Didn't look great on Ryan Hedges, didn't look great on Joe Rankin-Costello in particular who should have done better. And then Tyrese Campbell sticks it in the bottom corner. And, and from that point, it was game over really. And we were just seeing out the game and then two very random late goals. A couple of substitutions. Um, obviously, Callum Britton came on, got to the byline, crosses it over and Ben Berrettendales heads in. And you're like, oh, that's well, that's nice. A consolation goal. Good good for Berrettendales to get another goal and get his confidence up. Um, and then a really, really good header from Galley on the 90th minute mark. Um, I think it comes off his shoulder a little bit, but it's still a very well-directed effort from another good cross from Pickering, who didn't do that enough generally getting forward. I thought Britain coming on gave them some more thrust as well. And ultimately, it ended a lot closer than it should have been. You were just egging them on. Could, could there be one more chance? The away end was right behind that um, that goal where the two goals went in for Rovers. And it, it became a little bit nervy for Stoke at the end when it really shouldn't have been. But ultimately, if we're reflecting on the game as a whole, it, it was a poor night. They were second best, particularly, I thought, in the central midfield area. I thought... Stokes Freeman midfield dominated in there. And as I say, a few informed players slightly off the ball with Boyle, uh, with JRC pairs. Travis wasn't quite his best either. But collectively, they were all off colour. That's probably how I'd um, suggest it. And a few dodgy moments. But the big, big thing is this team has been so good in 2023. You know, it's only the second defeat. You can write off a bad night at Stoke as long as they get back to winning ways on Wednesday night. And that game is huge. Yeah, and Random and Rovers, like what you said, they just go hand in hand this season, don't they? I mean, where those two goals came from, I'll never know. But actually, I think it could be psychologically something that's quite important because just to get those two goals in the manner that we did, you know, Gallagher and Brereton getting a goal, as you say, Callum Britton getting an assist, just the manner in which that's happened just allows us to hang on to something going into that Reading game. And you're absolutely right. 
we should have stuck with the same start in 11 and reward that team for, for the work that they did. That was absolutely the right decision. This result now and what's happened at the end of this Stoke game just helpfully gives JDT the excuse, the blessing, the reason, whatever you want to call it, to now make some changes for Reading. And as you say, if Callum Britton starts over JRC, then no one can argue with that. If Ben Brereton starts over... Um, who played on the left, Dolan, then you can't argue with that. So that's fine. And this is we say this all the time. It's a squad game in the championship. It's a 46-game season. We've gone far into the League Cup. We're in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Lots of games, lots of game time. It's a young squad. It's a hard season with the World Cup break in there. I can forgive any of those players for needing a break and looking tired. So this result, as strange as it is that I'm t- you know saying this, that we've lost 3-2, just the manner that we came back at the end there just gives JDT something to hang on to and hopefully set up a great result against Reading. It wasn't the worst weekend in terms of results elsewhere. Obviously, Luton Town beat Sheffield United. Millwall went to Reading and won. But there was a little bit of silver lining with Norwich losing at home to Sunderland on Sunday. So it means the gap is now three points between uh, Rovers in fifth and Norwich, I think it is, in seventh. So they've, it's been cut from four to three. But I think if you're going to lose, it's not, you know, it's not not a disaster by any means, and it leaves them with 10, 10 games to go. Still think they need to win half of those and pick up a couple of draws um, to get there. I know we did a big segment on the uh, on the fixtures and how we think it might play out. But ultimately, if they get back to winning ways before the international break on Wednesday night, it then gives a platform to to go to the FA Cup game, which we'll come on to, of course, and, and really have a go. Um, there before the break and then resetting and, and concentrating on the league. And if you look at the fixtures this midweek, my word, I'm expecting all of our rivals to win. So this game against Reading is really important. Millwall are at home to Swansea. Luton are at home to Bristol City. Norwich are away at Huddersfield. You know, I'm expecting all three of them to win. So if Rovers don't beat Reading, we're going to be punished and find ourselves outside the playoffs going into the international break and stewing over that for, you know, two and a bit weeks before we play again against Birmingham. So this game against Reading now, with the manner in which we lost against Stoke, the pressure that the rivals are putting on, albeit we got away with things a little bit at the weekend, this is now a really huge game. So we've got to be on it. And, you know, games like Reading at home, with all greatest respect to Reading, those five wins that you've spoken about there, this is one I'm targeting and we've got to go for it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So it's the Royals coming up on Wednesday night, Ryan, as we've just discussed. 
it's £10 for the last 10, which is a good offer from the club, which we've spoken about previously, wanting to see more initiatives like that. So make sure if you listen to this, get yourself to Ewood Park, back the team. Um, and I really do think the crowd could play a huge part against a team like Reading, who, let's be fair, Rovers are favourites to win the game. Reading are likely to come come to Ewood Park and try and play defensively. They'll probably play with a back five. They'll try and shut the game down. And Rovers will need their supporters. I thought they played a really important role in the win over Sheffield United, um, what feels like quite a long time ago now. And there's no doubt Rovers owe them one after getting thumped 3-0 at their ground earlier in the season in, in what was, was actually their first defeat of the season. They've won every game up until that point, And they were really poor. Reading, I have to say, I know it's cliche, they are, in my opinion, if you split all 48, uh, sorry, all 24 teams in the championship into home and away, I think Reading away would be rock bottom of all of those 48 teams. They've conceded 35 goals in 18, which is just under two per game. They've only got 11 points, which is the second worst tally behind Huddersfield. And they've only won three times away from home all season. I know staying those stats gets the superstitious lot, just like you, Ryan, a little <laughs> bit jangling. But it just simply has to be three points. It should be three points. And if you want to finish in the top six, you have got to beat Reading at home, particularly at this stage of the season where the margin for error is even smaller. I think I usually would be superstitious about a game like this, but actually, weirdly, I'm not because of everything that you've just said there. Like, if Rovers won it, if Rovers think they're going to make top six this season, then it's simply a win or bust. You know, five defeats on the spin as well, away from home for Reading. You know, this is a team that, after losing away at Stoke, this is the perfect opportunity for us to get back on track. So I'm not superstitious because it's literally a case of, okay, dust ourselves down after Friday night, park that, beat Reading, onto the next one, onto the Sheffield United quarterfinals. So I'm not superstitious and you're absolutely right. It's just a case of job done, Elliot. Yeah, absolutely. And Reading as well, they've been, in, as you say, really poor form. They're potentially facing a points deduction as well, which is only adding to the the bad feeling around the, the club at the minute. And particularly away from home, they're just getting thumped every time they go away. They were beaten 5-0 by Middlesbrough very recently. And the away form is pretty horrific. When we look at the team then, Ryan, we spoke about it, touched on it a little bit ago. What would you do changes-wise? I think for me, Callum Britton's going to, should be coming in. I, I would say right back. I'd take JRC out of the firing line for a game, let him rest up. We know he's had injury problems before. I'd rather get him to 100%. I'd bring Ben Barrett and Diaz in, I think, on the left-hand side. And then it's, does Dolan come out or do you move Dolan to the right? I think Sober Thomas probably should come out potentially. And then do you play Hedges on the right or do you play Dolan on the right for me? And then obviously John Buckley will find out tomorrow as we record on Monday afternoon uh, when Yondal Thomason does his press conference how John Buckley is because he went obvious, off with, obviously with a knee injury. So we'll see how he is, but assuming he's not fit, do you go with Tyler Morton? Do you go with Jake Garrett? Um, I think for me, as I say, I'd be bringing Britton in right back for JRC. I'd bring Brent Berriton Diaz in for Sorba Thomas and I think I'd give Dolan another go on the right or Hedges maybe, but it'd be between those two. And then I think I probably would just edge with Morton over Garrett if uh, Buckley is indeed not fit. So just on all of those, um, Jake Garrett first. Let's just do a shout out for Jake Garrett. He didn't have many minutes in that Stoke game, but I actually thought he made a real impact off the bench. It was his first minute since the Rotherham mauling as well. Yeah, I thought he came on and looked really hungry. So um, I'm not... I might be thinking Jake Garrett rather than Tyler Morton. Are they a little bit similar, Garrett and Trav? 
Yeah, that's that's the only thing I would consider. Yeah, and I I see that point as well because, you know, Morton has had his critics this season, but he has still got the eye for a pass. He still can thread something and make something out of nothing. So, yeah, um, I'm happy to go with you on that one, Elliot. But I did just want to shout out to Jake Garrett because I thought he came on and made a real impact and, um, you know, just that kind of like hustle bustle type performance he did when he came on. Sorba Thomas, um, I thought it was his poorest game for Rovers since coming, but he set himself a very high standard for us and made an immediate impact. So as I said earlier, I'll absolutely forgive Sorba Thomas for for not having the best game away at Stoke. He wasn't the only one. So Thomas on the bench, I think, might be a smart move for us, particularly as he can come on and make an impact. You know, if it is nil-nil at halftime, he can come on and, and make something happen like he did... Um, was it Wigan that he made his debut? You know, he really yes. came on and made an impact. Or second half, he sorry. started and then the second half he really came into life. You're absolutely yeah, right. That's right. So something similar to that going into the Blackburn end. So, um, yeah, I'd start Thomas on the bench. I do think that Ty Dolan deserves to keep his place. I think he has been a real talisman for us recently. But... You know, or do you rest him? You know, he's played a lot of volume of minutes in a short period of time, and, and you know, it's his longest starting run all season. Does he need to come out to come back in for the Sheffield United game potentially? Does Hedges deserve a shout? I thought Hedges did really well against Leicester, mm-hmm. but actually, I thought he was really poor. And it like that goal, what you know, that attempt to tackle for the goal at Stoke, I didn't think he offered anything at Stoke. Yeah, and and actually, if we do bring Sheffield United into this, I think we need Dolan away at Sheffield United, most certainly firing on all cylinders. So I would be happy, yeah. Let's go with Brereton and Hedges in place of Thomas and Dolan on those two wings. Um, I think that's good. Obviously, Smodic keeps his place, Gallagher keeps his place, and then, yeah, Tyler Morton in central midfield. And then Callum Britton, um, you know, he has been desperately unlucky that... The man who replaced him has had the season of his life since replacing him. So that's obviously been really tough for him to to oust JRC. But yeah, Callum Britton coming on just to freshen up JRC for Sheffield United, as you say. Um, you know, that might not be a bad move. But let's just qualify it all, Elliot. How many changes is that that we're talking about? One, two, four. three, four changes. Um, yeah. Is it four? four? Yeah, four changes. Four. That is still quite a lot of changes. You know, when we were talking about consistency earlier on, and why teams get out of this division, it is those settled starting 11s. So, it was one of those is enforced, though, isn't it? Because Buckley's True. assuming this is assuming Buckley isn't fit. Um, True. So, one enforced of, I think, three changes. Three, for, yeah. With a midweek game, having considering you've the, the performance on Friday night, I think would be justified. Yeah, yeah. Three changes. So, it's just whether it's JRC or Britain, because I think the forward line could do with a whole refresh. And obviously, the enforced change with, with Buckley, as you say. So, Maybe it will still be JRC over Britain. Score prediction. Oh, I said I'm not being superstitious and I'm not. I fancy us to get the job done and I fancy us to do something that Rovers haven't done many times this season and it's a healthy margin of victory. I think we're going to come out firing. I think we know the significance of this game after the Stoke result with the manner of the the way the season's going and the teams who are playing um, other teams that we just spoke about and the Sheffield United game coming up. I think this is all aligning for Rovers coming out of the blocks firing. So I'm going to say 3-0. And Rovers don't do that very often. We don't blow sides away. We don't create loads of chances. But I do fancy us to do it. I think a healthy margin of victory in this one, 3-0. I think the players know. I think everything you and I have said here and the importance of this game is not lost on these players. And I think they're going And obviously to... they'll all be tuning into this podcast anyway. So if they hadn't they already do. dawned yeah. on them then. 
it would already be apparent to them. Um, yeah, I think that would be the joint biggest margin. They beat Rotherham 3 0 at Ewood. Yeah. That's the biggest margin of victory. I don't think they've scored four in a game this season. If memory serves me right. I'll do a quick um, check whilst you do your prediction. <laughs> yes. So for me, I completely agree. I think Rovers will get the job done. They've kept five consecutive clean sheets at Ewood Park. I back them to do that again against a misfiring Reading side on the road. Again, got to start well, got to try and get an early goal if they can, very much. I can see it going very similarly to the Blackpool game, except I think they will get that second goal. So for me, I'm going for a 2-0 win for Rovers. And that takes us to the weekend, the big one, Sheffield United away in the FA Cup. And boy, wouldn't it be lovely to be heading to Bramall Lane with three points already secured on Wednesday night. The, The feeling that a decent home win would bring going to Bramall Lane, because that really is... It's just a, a it's a one off, isn't it? It's two teams in the same division, but it's it's a fantastic game. I'm already starting to get excited for the game, and we've got another match in between in six days to come. Sheffield United have lost four of their last six. They lost at home to Luton on Saturday, of course, at Bramall Lane. Now they will be wanting a response, but they haven't got it easy in midweek. They've got to go to Sunderland, which is tricky. Rovers have got the easier fixture. They do both play on Wednesday, so there's no advantages or disadvantages in terms of timings. And for me, Rovers have just got to go and play how they have in the previous rounds. They, they will be underdogs again, although it's a team in their own division. Sheffield United are second in the league and will be favourites. I'll be intrigued to see how the game at Ewood Park does or doesn't impact how the two teams line up or set up tactically. But for me, Rovers have just got to go full strength, no fear, and give that what is looking like going to be a fantastic away end, something to cheer about. They've already sold out at the time of recording uh, the 4,700 tickets that were the initial allocation. The club have bought an extra 1,000 at the time of recording. When I last looked, there was 150 left to go. That's going to be sold out with 5,700 Blackburn fans in the away end at Bramall Lane, and it's going to be a fantastic day. I know you're going as well, Ryan. Obviously, you'll Mm. be part of that away pack with... Uh, your little lad's first away game. What a day that will be for him! You, you must be. Re- I'm really excited to go and cover it as a obviously an impartial journalist. You must be very excited as a supporter to be in that away end. Oh, I can't wait because you know I've I've done away ends where we've only had 250 and done the away games where you know it's not been great. But you know we don't get this opportunity very often to have that many fans in a game of this nature. And as you say, it's my youngest's first away game. He's going to love it. Going with my other lad as well. So just a brilliant family day with the prize right at the end and available for us. And. I'm really pleased you highlighted the two things that you did. You know, Sheffield United losing the four games in six. You know, that shows that we're not rocking up at Barcelona or Real Madrid here. We are going to a side that can be beaten on their own turf and on their own patch. Also on on that, just sorry, the fact that they now have got to really get their act together in the league, you know, Middlesbrough chasing down the next at four points, does suddenly their priority even more become the league? Mm. Yeah, totally. I, I think that's a really fair observation. And with how the results go in the midweek, you know, that could get even more starker for them. So I think that that really is a fair observation. Um, obviously, the the manner of our victory at Ewood Park, particularly that second half performance where we made them look very, very ordinary. You know, that wasn't very long ago. And those Sheffield United players will remember that. And they would have come off that pitch at Ewood Park thinking, wow, we played against a good side there. So that will be lingering on the minds. And then the other thing I'll just bring in, my word, we owe Sheffield United something at Bramall Lane, right? 
I was there at that game when there were three missed penalties in the game and it was nil-nil. I was there last season when Red Akadra missed the penalty and all. We owe Sheffield United. I am telling you, we owe them. So if we're going to beat them, all those previous instances and all those previous games and the heartache that we've been talking about, I don't mind all of that if it's being saved for 6,000 or nearly 6,000 Rovers fans in that away end. Me with my two boys. I'll take all of that for that place in the semi-final. So I am absolutely buzzing and can't wait. They've really got to go in with the same mindset. If They they, they mm. can't say, oh, this is a team. I don't want to see any of, oh, well, this was a, this could be a league game. We'd go in a little bit defensive, maybe a bit cagey. Just play the way you did at Leicester. Play the way yeah. you did at West Ham um, and really go for it. Because Sheffield United have proven they can be got at. They are, can be vulnerable, particularly in transitions. And they're, ultimately, they're not as good as Leicester. Like, they're not, and they beat them. And I know it doesn't work exactly like that because football's not that simple. But they just, just you know, if they, even if they lose, if they go and have a right go and lose 3-2 or something like that, they'll get applauded off by 6,000 Blackburn Rovers fans. If they go and lose 1-0 and they try and play a little bit cagey and try and break the game up, it'll feel like a really, really missed opportunity to get to Wembley. And I really think the manner of which... Blackburn approach this game is going to be vital. I think so. And I think we've got a unique opportunity with this game as well, because to be fair to Sheffield United, they always make a good noise at Bramall Lane. You know, their home support is really good. But actually, we've got the opportunity with 6,000 Rovers fans there to equalise that a bit and silence that a bit and really make our voices known and our presence known and suck the ball into the net that we're all going to be behind. So we've got to go there, as you say, Elliot, with that positive mindset. I can't remember if it's extra time and penalties again in the quarterfinals. It could well be. So I hope that JDT doesn't play for that because I I do think that that will allow us to lose the game fairly easily if we go with that mindset. If we approach it like we did at Ewood Park, you know, Harry Pickering scoring after five minutes, that just shows the intent that we had. Hit him early, show him our intent like we did to Leicester. That's what wins the game for me. So um, you're absolutely right. We've got to go there and, and just be positive, confident and know that we can get the win, which we can. I think they will as well. I'm not trying to be negative. I do think they will go there. I think that there's no doubt. And I suppose this is one of the advantages of having so many academy graduates, so many boyhood Blackburn Rovers fans or people that have been around the club for so long and know what it means. These opportunities, particularly to get to Wembley, they do not crop up very often. And to do that, against a fellow championship side that you've beaten two weeks ago, albeit at home. This this could they could they could go like down in, in as relatively, you know, hero status really. I know when we think of heroes with Blackburn Rovers are talking in the Premier League in the heyday, Shearer winning the Premier League title. But for modern day Blackburn Rovers, which let's be fair, they have been a championship or league one club for the last decade, they can rewrite and make a bit of history. Yeah. And, you know, I'm mid thirties and, you know, through some of the previous podcasting and and stuff that I've done, you know, I know a lot of lads who are early twenties, some in their teenagers or or whatever, who the only moment they have got is Charlie Mulgrew's goal at at Doncaster and, and the league one promotion. So I was lucky. I've seen Rovers in Europe. I've seen us win the league. I've seen us win the league cup. So I don't think it is you know, foolish for you to say that, yeah, they could go down in hero status if they get this next generation of Rovers fans, the one, you know, the generation below me, a chance to go to Wembley. And that includes my two boys. You know, I've not seen Rovers play at at the new Wembley. I've seen us play at the Millennium Stadium and I've seen us play at Old Trafford in an FA Cup semi, not seen us at the new Wembley. So 
there'll be hero status in my eyes because then I get to go with my boys and do something that will be something I remember for the rest of my life, getting on a train and going down to Wembley with my lads. So it's not foolish for you to say that, Elliot. It is right to say that. And yes, we could reach an FA Cup semi and not get promoted. Okay, fine. That is still a moment for everyone to grab onto if we get to Wembley. So um, I think you're right to raise that. I can't believe there's six more days. I've really hyped myself up for I can't wait for this game. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. <laughs> right, time to, to level ourselves back out, Ryan. Score predictions. Head and heart moment. I know. It's going to be a tough game. Sheffield United are going to be up for it. I've said about their fans and, you know, everything that we're saying here about reasons why we need to be positive. Sheffield United are going to be saying all the opposite things, which is like, oh, we need to dust ourselves down and, you know, get over the loot and defeat. And I'll just say something on the loot and defeat that they had as well. I was really angry about that at first because I thought, bloody Luton, like, and Sheffield United not doing us a favour. But actually, I think psychologically, it's helped us, Luton beating Sheffield United, because it's another team that's gone there and beaten them. However, I do think Sheffield United will obviously respond to that. It'll be really interesting to see what happens at the Stadium of Light and whether Tony Mowbray does us a favour. Midweek really is going to be vital for both clubs and the mentality they're going to the yeah. game with. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think my head and heart moment is the amount of goals that are going to be scored because it would be great to score more than one goal but I can just see Rovers nicking this 1-0 I think whether we like it or not JD the results we've had JDT is going to have that element of being tight and we've beaten them 1-0 before last season we lost 1-0 I've just spoken about the 0-0 at Bramall Lane they are always tight affairs against Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. So I'm going to say 1-0 Rovers. I'd love to say 2-0 or 2-1, but I do just think it's going to be the one goal that wins it. 1-0 Rovers. And the goal scorer will be Ryan Hedges, just because he's had to take his time on the bench and he's going to come on and be the hero. I was going to say, well, judging from our discussion earlier, he won't be starting him, so he'll be coming on and having impact by that, by that, yep. uh, by that school of thought. Yeah, that's it. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to go specific with my prediction. 1-0, Hedges. I've also gone specific. I haven't got a goal scorer for you, but I think everyone's going to want to... They're going to have heart-up palpitations by the end because I'm going for one all Blackburn <laughs> Rovers to win on penalties. Oh, Elliot. Do you know what, right? It was... You know, all that stuff I was saying about penalties earlier on, it is destined for a penalty shootout, isn't it? That has actually just crystallised in my head with you saying that. We did win the penalty shootout at uh, at West Ham, of course, and, and and they scored them all as well. It wasn't just uh, obviously yeah. a bit of luck. No, it took, what, <laughs> what did that finish? Ten nine. Ten nine. Yeah. Can you imagine if if we won a penalty shootout at Bramall Lane? I've not seen a penalty scored we at 10-9 Bramall Lane. to get to Wembley. I think we'd all need. Uh, <laughs> I think the ambulance would be lined up outside in Sheffield. I've seen four penalties at Bramall Lane, and they've all been missed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going for Rovers to win on penalties because this this football team doesn't like to do things easy, and I, I just can't. Even if I genuinely thought they were going to lose, I just can't do it. I like they're going to go there, they're going to get to Wembley, and I, I cannot wait. You're um, making my legs shake just talking about. I know. I genuinely. I've just started shaking. <laughs> Imagine if it goes to penalties; that would be absolutely brutal. I can't deal with that. I literally would not be able to deal with that. 
Well, we'd love to hear from you guys listening to the podcast. Let us know what your plans are for the game. Are you watching it at home? Have you got the family coming around? Of course, it'll be on, um, is it on ITV? I think it's ITV that's covering it. I think it's ITV, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's on ITV. I know it's on TV either way. Are you having family round? Are you going to the game? How are you watching it? What are your score predictions? Tweet us at Inside Brockle and let us know how you're going to be sampling what, what should be a really memorable afternoon for Blackburn Rovers. Right, Ryan, we're going to round off with our Rovers riddle as always. How did you get on last week? For anyone that has forgot, last week's were grab yourself a laptop for nothing. That is a free Dell, which is Brad Friedel. Correct. It was last names only. And then the farm animal is looking a bit discoloured. Now, I just need to give the listeners just full disclosure here, don't I? Because I, <laughs> the amount of farm animals that I paired up with words such as clear and grey and stuff the like transparent that. Transparent cow. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> right. up front for Rovers. And then I started to think left field and I got it eventually. Grey ham, Danny Graham. Correct. Two for two. Yeah. Uh, the transparent cow was uh, did not play up front for Blackburn Rovers. Any, any yeah. Clear time. sheep didn't either. So uh... no. <laughs> <laughs> Right, this week's, um, we are back to, I don't know, one of them's, okay, so one of them is, uh, the first one is last name only, and the second one is both. So, this week's Rover's Riddle is 100 kilos of my favourite fruit, and the Saint of Wales might. Those are your Rover's Riddles for this week. Make sure you tweet us at Inside Brockle. And let us know your guesses. Make sure you're following us, of course, on Twitter as well. And make sure you are subscribed to this podcast in your podcast app, whether that's on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever platforms you have. Just type in the Inside Brockle podcast and make sure you are subscribed. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Inside Brockle podcast.